it's Maya. It's T in the house. Hi, it's Naya. Hey, Zoe in the house. Hey, it's Kimmy Kim Kim. JB representing. Hi everyone, welcome back to our second podcast. This week we're going to be talking about colorism and what it's like living life in the UK as a black person. Very deep topics, but let's go. I like it. I like it. Hi, family. Hey. Hi. So um, this week I'm going to start with a statistic since we're speaking about a serious topic. So in 2018, black people had the highest unemployment rate of any ethnicity at 9%. So that's more than twice the white population. And some context to that, I guess, if we look at it, we are only 3% of the population of the UK, right? So 3%, but yet we've got the highest unemployment stat. Something's not right there. So I guess, are we all employed? Or have we found difficulty finding employment opportunities? And I'm aiming that at my nieces because I guess you guys are the youngest on this pod at the moment. Does that include um, self-employment? Self-employment is everything. I guess... If you're going down a self-employment route, how are those opportunities um, found? Have you found those opportunities being self-employed? Um, yeah, I think because of Instagram, it's kind of easy to promote what your like work in that sense. Um, I don't think we feel it as much, to be honest. Like I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't because I, I just think because. Um, Maybe because we've grown up in a society where it's just like we know that there's still um, that it's still a racist society, but we we don't feel it as maybe what you lot had felt it. Did you become self-employed because you found it hard to find work, or did you just become self-employed because you didn't want to work for anyone? Well, I'm not self-employed, but I'm just saying that in the sense of of what I've seen on Instagram, I've seen a lot of. Um, the younger generation um, using that to promote their um, their work. So I think, I just think it's open to anyone, really. I, I, I wouldn't see it as we're less. Can I say something? Yeah. Go ahead, Naya. So what I'm trying to say is, um, I feel like in terms of um, young people being unemployed, I feel like, it, it you feel it more when people who have studied in university and then looking for a graduate job after graduating mm-hmm. because we're like still students majority of us um the jobs that we're looking for are like part-time sales type of jobs so in that sense they always need people who work in sales so we don't really feel that un- being on un- like we don't feel the stats of being unemployed of our ethnicity However, I feel like if when we start graduating from uni, we will feel the difference and feel that we're not probably getting as much jobs and our, our applications will be, like, turned down. Do you know I mean? mm, yeah. Because those jobs are more, like, what's the word? They're more... I don't know the word. They're, like, the actual jobs... They're... they're, they're, they're oh, I can't forget more competitive. They're more the jobs that they're more, aca- like, they're more academic, academic. They're more like specific those those roles. So therefore, there's less yeah. people wanting those jobs. Those, okay, yeah. As opposed to people working in sales. That's why we'll feel it later on. I don't feel like we feel it now. 
So you d- so it depends on what job you're going for. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah. Because okay. let's say I graduate, I want to be an accountant. Yeah. You want to be a social worker. A social worker. Yeah. Those jobs that they they need those jobs, mm-hmm. but not everyone can do those jobs. If that makes sense, so it'll be harder for us once we graduate. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people who've graduated this year and can't find any jobs. But do you think it's just because of of like that like the um, uh how it the world what am I trying to say how the like employment is now like there's not enough jobs going or do you think it's down to just ethnicity? Yeah, I don't know. see that's what I'm saying because like I I get the that there's statistics there yeah but it's like do we feel like do we feel like we can't get it like it's I feel like that's we're, we're soon, less. We're soon to find out. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I think if I um, can jump in here for a second, um, I think the question um, that was posed is more to look at the demographics. So if I was to say to um, Talicia and Naya, how many of your friends and people that you know around you are unemployed. You know a lot of unemployed people, and not just students. I'm talking about people that didn't go down the student route that are your age, um, that decided to leave school and look for a job, and olders that you know around you. Um, do you know a lot of unemployed people? No, I know some. Right. I know some. Some. So I think the next question is then for me: Is do you believe that's because? of the group of black people that you're around because I feel like you know if you had grown up in a certain area around certain black people um, you might see unemployment more but because of the environment you've grown up around you mm. may not have seen um, so much um, unemployment is yeah, that fair true. to say? Okay. I cool. feel like you see what you're saying I feel like because I'm a girl and I have a lot of girlfriends I feel like girls are more willing at this age to work in sales. But if I knew like boys that are my age, they're not willing. Not a, not a lot of them are willing to work in sales and do like the sales associate roles. For them, I feel, like, I feel like that's where I see a lot of unemployment in young black young boys. Young black boys, yeah. Because you won't see them saying, yeah, yeah. I want to work in this store. Some of them, yes, but majority of them, no. I think it depends a lot on, like Uncle Jason said earlier, their environment and where they're from. If Obviously, if a lot of their friends are doing, like, Saturday jobs and JD and things like that, then they're more likely to do it. But if their friends are just, you know, on the streets and making money the fast way, they're going to think, why am I going to work in a shop and bring home £600 a month when my friend is out there on the corner bringing home £600, like, an hour or however quick it is for them to bring in the easy money? So maybe it doesn't apply to your generation just yet, then? Maybe we have seen it throughout our generation. I guess you guys are living and growing in a modern world. Uh, so that's probably 20 odd years removed from where we were out there looking for employment. Uh, there were there were quick and easy routes. There were deets. There were the other stuff, the street corners. But certainly if you go into establishments or you went into uh, the city and were looking for jobs, there were definitely restrictions and even if you got in you were one of very few people so were you able to survive were you able to relate 
were you even able to take yourself there because it was so foreign to you going into an environment which you didn't feel you belonged in or had any chance to get into? But I think we're in the age of the entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneurial age. And like you mentioned, T, that Instagram, everyone can do their own thing, their, their hustle on there. And everyone's kind of got that focus where they don't necessarily need corporate establishments to get on and get paid. So maybe, maybe it doesn't apply to you guys yet, but in a few years time, it might, but I know Maya's been quiet. <laughs> I know she's, I'm going to put it out there, Maya, you've been, or are, you are learning to become um, an architect. Yeah. So is, are you planning to work for yourself? Do you think, or do you think you are planning to go and work for a company? I want to work for myself, but I think what I'm going to do is get some experience inside of an architectural firm and kind of like work my way up to the point where I've learned what I needed to learn from the firm and then start my own business, I think is the best way to go in that industry. Um, so you're going to graduate from uni soon and Naya, so will you. Black workers with degrees earn 23.1% less than their white co-workers. How does that make you feel as someone that will be going into an industry where you might be paid less than one of your fellow co-workers just because you're black? I don't think it's fair at all, but that just makes me feel more motivated to start my own business and make my own money and then pay other black workers fairly, like the fair amount that they should get, like the same amount as any other person would get. So it's more motivating than, than anything, really. It doesn't make me want to work for a firm and, and like, permanently stay there it just makes me want to go up even more do you know of many black architects if i'm honest i I actually don't i don't think i've heard of one black architect while i've been like learning Mm. what about female yeah there, there has been quite a few females i feel like in that industry um there are a lot of females but in terms of like black architects not not many that's interesting so it seems like the barriers have been broken down in one way. We're not restricted anymore to think in our thinking that we can go out on our own, we can achieve by ourselves, we can be our own bosses, we can be entrepreneurial. That's great, but everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs to be able to see that it's achievable and just break bread with other people in the industry and be able to learn and speak to. But as far as we've gone in terms of mindset change, we still don't have those people there that we can lean on and get encouragement and advice from. So Maya, you're going to have to be one of the first to do that, it seems. Most probably. But if it encourages other people, then it's the the best thing to do. You can't always follow other people. Sometimes you, well, all the time, you have to be the leader, basically. And if that makes a change, then why not? I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. So when you was applying to go for uni, like when you was applying to go to uni, what what sort of swayed your decision as to which unis you picked? Naya, Maya, to this year. Um, firstly, I didn't know if I wanted to go to university or not, but at um, sixth form, they just recommend that you apply even if you don't know what you're going to do um 
So I just was... I, the universities I wanted to go to were just the ones that, if I'm honest, I don't know, ones that my friends were going to. Um, and then I took a gap year to see if I could do an apprenticeship. And then I wanted to change my university, but I did my application <coughs> late. So I ended up going to university that my friends all went to. And also my that university that my friends went to was just advertised all over the television, social media. It wasn't necessarily the university that I think I should have gone to, went to. So did you apply to did you apply to anywhere like um, Oxford or Cambridge? Did that even cross your mind attending one of those universities? No. <laughs> Why did you both say it like that? Because because it's just like those those unis. I feel like they just have that that stereotype and that you know it's just kind of white kids that go to those type of unis, and it's also hard to get into those using unis. And I don't think as like personally as a as as a black female, I I, I don't think they would accept me. I think I'd have to be at the highest of the highest to get in. So, like, one in a million, basically. Only 6% of black school leavers attend a Russell Group university. And I think that might be because we all have the same sort of idea, like, why would we even bother wasting one of our five applications to one of those? Because unless we're super smart and we do all these extracurricular activities and we really have something great and unique to bring... One, they're not going to pick us, and two, will we even fit in? Like, no one will understand us because of where we come from. Do you feel like it's sort of... Do you guys agree? So, I'm going to hold my hand up, literally, because I think that's our fault. Now, a lot of the time, children do what they see their parents do. So, we never went to university. So, I guess you guys didn't see it as something that was the next step. And we didn't prepare you and plan and we didn't know about the Russell groups until you were applying. Um, I know I think it was Queen Mary was our was Naya's local one, but you needed to achieve a certain level in order to get into that um, Russell group um, uni. And we didn't know there was a scoring system. We didn't know all of this because we didn't apply. Our parents didn't teach us because when our parents came over, they were just about surviving obviously the Windrush generation. So it's a generational curse, if you like. And we know that goes all the way back, all the way back. I'm not going to go to that right now, but it's a generational thing. Now, you guys are a a generation of uni goers. (laughs) So you will tell your children what it's all about, what to do and when to go and where to go. My shaking her head. But you know what I mean? You will have the knowledge that we didn't have. Right, so that's so I hold my hands up. Yeah, I hold mine up as well. I think you guys push university so much because you didn't go. And back in your day, it was like, oh, you have to go to uni to get a good job and do all this. But none of us have said we want to be surgeons or dentists or anything like that. So doing a common, like a common degree, all the jobs I've applied for, I haven't been asked once if I have a degree. And if I have, they're like, did you like it? Or, or they just ask me because they're like, oh, I can see in your CV here that you studied this. And I'm like, oh, did you like it? And I just say no. 
I think it was, I think unless you want to be a surgeon or you're saving someone's life, their teeth, you're helping them get out of prison or something really important like that, I really don't think it's necessary. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand. I'll tell you what it is. Why? We just wanted yeah. you to, lot to be able to pay for your own weddings. <laughs> That's the truth. Right. We didn't want to pay for your weddings. No, no. And it's still not going to happen. <laughs> no, you're 100% right. So what we now know is that unless you are becoming a lawyer, a surgeon, an architect, or a specific professionalism, you do not need to go to university, right? You don't have to go to university. There are ways around it. There are courses you can do. Unless you need that certificate, then I would advise anyone, you don't have to go to university. But... Right? Goza. But do you not think having that degree makes you more attractive to the employer? Yeah, 100%. You're going down that route, though. If you want to go down that route, I don't think it's the age where you need to go down that route, right? So let's just say you're an architect. You might need that to go into a firm. Sorry, picking on you, Mai. But if you want to be your own boss from early, you don't need that um, certificate, right? You don't need to put yourself in debt. So many times I see people saying that they don't care about like your degree, they just care about your life experiences, that they like people that have travelled. Just today I saw on LinkedIn a CEO said that he doesn't care what like what school you went to, what your education is, they care about your character. They say skills can be taught. Your character, that can't be taught. That's down to you. So I don't I don't agree. I think that a lot of black parents push their children to go to university and I think they do do it because obviously growing up in like the UK and being black is hard so it's always good to have a degree there to get into a job basically but then I feel like sometimes it can be a waste of time because you're pushing your children to get a degree and then even with a degree it's hard for them to to get a job basically in in what they want to go into so pushing them doesn't really help as much as you think it would because they'll go with their degree like I have the paper now like what is there from stopping me from getting the job and they still won't get the job because you have to have seven years experience and you spent those seven years in university so even if you don't go to uni you still need that experience hey right but they you can do an internship apprenticeships but you why can do an apprenticeship you do after uni, though? You can, you can do, do a course. Wasting you time. can do... No, because you've still got that... You've still got your degree. So if you want to go... If you don't want to stay in this country, say, and you want to go elsewhere and go and live another in another country, you've got your degree. Your degree, you can take that wherever you go. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I know you sort of say it doesn't make you more attractive, but I, I don't know if I'm just old school then, innit? But I think an employer, if they're looking at someone that hasn't got a degree and has got no experience and someone that has got a degree and has got no experience, they're going to go for that person that's got that degree. Right. And you... you... Go on, Jay. Go no, on. no, I was just going to add to what you were saying, Zoe. I was going to ask these guys, what, what do they see as the benefits of having a degree and what do they see as the, or say, positives and what do they see as the negatives? Because there's got to be positives and there's got to be negatives. And I don't think they've looked at the positives. I think they're only looking at the negatives, you know? And I actually believe there are many positives. Yes, people want uh, individuals, they want to know about character. But what does your degree say about you before you've even walked through the door? That's what you've got to think about. Go on, now. I am... Um, because I, I didn't know if I wanted to go to university, I took a gap year. 
Um, yeah. Originally, I wanted to do a school leaver programme, which is like an apprenticeship, but at the end, you get a qualification. But in order for you to do a school leaver programme, you need to get three A-levels, and I got two and a half A-levels, so I wasn't, I wasn't able to do the school leaver programme. But yeah. my dad did say to me quite a few times, is there an alternative to going to university? Can't you do an apprenticeship? So I applied for an apprenticeship. It was at a law firm. It wasn't in accounting. Um, the apprenticeship was um, okay. However, I felt like because I was in an apprenticeship, I got treated like bottom. Mm. But I was hope holding yeah. doors for people, saying press the button. I wasn't even a you receptionist. You doing the job. Like... The, the senior people in the in the law firm was like hold the door open for me mm. okay I know that's respect but it was like he expected it and also with that apprenticeship a lot of apprenticeships when I was um, applying for them they were like the apprenticeship the money that is put into apprenticeships you're not uh, you'll be working five days a week you're doing 40 hours is it 45 35 hours a week or something like that the average yeah. nine to yeah. five um you know hours and you're not. You're only getting like hundred and thirty pounds a week. Yeah, they can pay you the, the minimum. The, the minimum, and therefore I feel like that's not a put off. But for me to be to do and be a chartered accountant, I have to start off level one, level two, level three, level four, level five, mm. and work my way up for for like five six years, as opposed to going, going to university, yeah. getting a degree out of it, and then doing a few exams afterwards. Mm. I just okay. felt like if I was working full-time for an apprenticeship I might be swayed to look at other things because I've realized that this is a, a long route and I'm working all these hours and I'm not even getting that much money from working yeah. if that makes sense okay last point Uncle Jason so what benefits do you see like this is a two-pronged thing right so I want to take a little bit of time here do you see any benefits in having a uni degree yeah I think it's quicker <laughs> Like it's quicker. You get in. You you've got your qualification, and then you can now be sitting on what a good like. Well, for social workers, they can start at a good thirty grand. Right. So my next thing would be then: Do you feel that because your your world, as in the younger generation, I can't remember what you lot wise. What Alika? What are you guys wise? Um, we are. Sorry, I have, I have it written down. We are actually Generation Z. Z, Z, the last generation. All right, cool. So I think the problem with you guys is this. Social media and all of those other kind of medias make you believe that everything has to move fast. So an apprenticeship would obviously kind of suit you guys more in the beginning because you're thinking, ah, oh, I can work and be paid. Because, because social media is so fast, you want things now, and you you know the things that you guys want, like McQueens and all that, and all of the other good stuff, costs a lot of money. And you're not going to be like, oh, dad, this week I want a, a McQueens, mum, next week I want another pair of McQueens. Like we're looking at like twelve hundred pound. You want to be able to do that for yourself, right? Because you want to look good, you want to feel good. So a lot of people go for apprenticeships. My thing is. If you're not academic, we should all look at it like this. You get some of us are really academic, and I get that. Some of us are hands-on. If you're hands-on, I think apprenticeship works for you. If you're a little bit academic and a little bit hands-on, apprenticeships work for you. If you're more academic, I feel that you should go down the academic route. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I feel like apprenticeships are made for certain type of people and certain type of jobs. That's my honest belief. You know what I mean? And I get the fact that. 
you feel that we're shoving you down the uni route, but I do believe there are many positives to that being on your CV. Do you know what I mean? Go on. Um, I just wanted to add to that, that uh, I think, you know, even the whole experience of uni, uh, the type of people that you meet and the type of people that would uh, potentially be lifelong friends, partners, people that you surround yourself are going to be like-minded people. So you should, you know, that's one brilliant experience to take from university, that people that you actually meet in there are on the same path as you are. Um, and I think that if you kind of, like, you know, you choose the latter route or the other route, you know, you're going to meet people. You might meet people at uni, obviously, but you're you're surrounded around by people that are not doing those kind of things. So, you know, when you go kind of get into your 20s and your, your mid-20s and stuff, um, it steers you into kind of doing other stuff and being around other people. And whereas, whereas you know, that path is kind of like a life path. It's like go to school, go to secondary school, go to college, go to uni, meet someone, get married. So you, you're kind of on a kind of journey through life. Um, but within that time, I'd say probably would, would be the best years of your life and you'd meet the most interesting people. So that's a, another positive to take from that. And to add to that, a lot of people have to, when they go away to uni, they're looking after themselves. They're no longer at home. So the life skills that we've been teaching you within how to cook for yourself, how to clean for yourself, how to socialise, how to use a communal bathroom or a communal kitchen, these things are now ingrained in you and you now look at other people and think to yourself, oh man, they don't even uh, clean their plate, they lick it and rub it on their chest and put it, you understand what I'm just saying? Bro, bro, you know? that was camping in 1982. <laughs> no, that was camping. That was Jamie, whatever his name was. <laughs> That's not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. no, all good points. All good points. Very, very good points in terms of growth, in terms of um, broadening your social horizons. Like, that's all true. I think it's courses for courses. And I think all I'm saying is it should just be weighed up. Um, but I don't want to get bogged down in that. I know Lika's got many subjects she wants to broach. So I think we need to keep it moving. Yep, we do. I agree. Um, so the next topic we're going to speak about is black people in the law. So, as we know, black people don't have the most luck when it comes to the law. We are usually stereotyped. Um, black people are ten times more likely to be stopped and searched by the police than white people. And all of these statistics, are they all come from the Gov statistics themselves. So, it's all very factual. And like Uncle Andrew said, we only make up 3%. So, how does that make you guys feel? Especially Uncle Andrew and Uncle Jason being black men. Boy, Jay. Okay, I mean, for us, um, we grew up at a time where I think, you know, let me just kind of put a little context to it. Our parents weren't born here. They didn't go to school here. They didn't understand, basically, certain things that happened within this society. We came up, we went to school here, primary school, secondary school. And by the time we got to secondary school, we were stopped at least minimum twice a day on the way to school in the morning in the a.m. and coming home from school in the p.m. And I feel that they targeted us in a way to, I think it was a, a scaremongering tactic and they wanted to scare us into having the fear of the law. But what I think they um, inadvertently done was 
made us not like them and kind of brush up on our law and understand our rights and realise that, you know what, no matter that we were born in the UK, we're not English. Do you know what I mean? I'll let AB kind of tag on and I might tag back on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, context, in additional context, we grew up in Hackney, right? So different times in the 80s and 90s, but I think it, it was an extension of the Willie Lynch theory, like how to break a slave or how to break black people. If they ingrained that fear in us from young, like they felt that that would stop us from doing crime. I guess that was their theory. Um, but what it did, like Jay said, it would it made us actually be very aware and the worst thing for them was if we were actually doing crime they would not have known because we would have wrapped them up in so many knots when they stopped us that they wouldn't have known because we actually knew all of our rights which was the worst thing luckily for them we weren't doing crime but it wasn't a good feeling knowing that just because you were walking down the road and the police saw you that you were going to get stopped and you knew you were going to get stopped and they would come up with the most crap bullshit like i'm gonna swear because it's touching a nerve Ex- excuses like they would stop us and say oh you fit the description of somebody who did a crime when was this crime? when did this crime take place officer last friday but it's monday officer but yeah you're in the same area officer what was this um, person wearing they will look at you and they'll say you're wearing red oh they were wearing red <laughs> you already knew it clothes. was rubbish every day of the week oh. four, from four days ago it's like bank holiday monday and this was the Friday, and we'd be like, okay, safe officer. What was stolen? Money. Oh, so you want to search us for money? Okay, so if we've got money, now we're in a problem, right? Uh, I think you've dropped something. What have we dropped, officer? That chip on your shoulder. It was the same every time. And the women, unfortunately, were the worst. They must, I, I don't want to talk domestic, like, but there was something going on at home for these female officers because they were always the chippiest, they were always aggressive, and they were always in your face. Um, but I guess we learned to deal with it, but it doesn't make it right. So it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. We didn't have a great relationship. And yeah, as a result, we don't respect the law. We've never called on the law. When we call on them, they don't serve us. Um, so they're just somebody there that we pay and they cause us grief. Yeah, I think kind of to add to that, we... Um, being the first generation born here, we knew about what happened in the 60s and early 70s, well, say 50s, 60s and 70s, early 70s, and we understood that the kind of policing that happened before, we are now in a different time. So, you, yeah, you can, ha- you can handcuff us, you could rough us up, but there are certain things you couldn't get away with. Do you know what I mean? You would still try but we have a little bit more of a leg to stand on. I'm not saying that we were in a far better place, but the kind of beatings and stuff that you could get away with in the 50s, you couldn't get away with now. And I'm ready to fight, to get what I'm trying to say. Where And I think we've got that strength from our foreparents and people that went before us. So I think, yeah, they, they weren't right in a way, but that chip that they was talking about was the wrong chip. We were ready to battle with these officers. Do you know what I mean? And if you look... And it was funny because if you look at these officers, they were like 60 stone, 40, you know, 50 odd years old, and they couldn't even catch us if they wanted to. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I just think that kind of anger and 
resentment was building. We, we'd already understood it from before, but because they handled us in the way they did, it kind of transferred over to us and we were on the next thing now. We weren't ready to have it from any officer. Do you feel like you was in a more fortunate position because, like you said, you knew your rights? Do you think that was because your parents obviously like taught taught them to you and told you how to react in a certain situation with the police? Did your friends have a similar experience? Like, did they know how to answer and handle the police? Or did you have some friends that had it a lot harder because they just didn't know what to do or what to say and what was okay and what wasn't? We, we didn't so much know the law because of our parents, I'll be fair. Like, our parents did teach us things and they taught us how to handle ourselves. And, you know, if they were to search, just take your search, whatever it is they were trying to say. We learned most of our law from our friends and the friends, the friends that we had that were bad and situations that they'd been in. And, you know, then having a conversation with them and finding out, well, if you say this, they can only do this. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Or being wrongfully arrested, understanding what the terms that they're using against us meant. Like, I think number one term they used for us was afraid. Every time they arrested us, it was like, oh, we're arresting you for afraid. We used to look at each other like, what the ras is afraid? You get what I'm saying? So we went and found out what afraid is. And it's inciting a riot or, or something to do with, yeah, inciting a riot. But like, Mate, yeah, I don't even understand how you use that terminology with this situation. Do you know what I mean? So I think we dug up more and our, our age group and generation dug up more because we were now getting into things that our parents weren't getting into. They, our parents weren't over here to kind of sell drugs or to um, go out clubbing and be bad boys or whatever. They come here to get an education, to better their life, make some money, and yeah, of course they want to have fun, but we now had a platform where we weren't really worried about money um, per se. You know, we, we got decent clothes and all the rest of it. We now moved on to the next things. Now, how do we conquer this place? Do you know what I mean? Whereas our parents were trying to conquer this place. They were just trying to fit into the groove and make money. You know what I mean? And uh, make a settlement for their family and a good platform. Whereas I think we took it to the next level. Auntie Kim and uh, Mummy, do you guys have any, being females, do you, did you guys have any encounters with the police? Were they pleasant? Were they not pleasant? Uh, I've never personally had uh, any kinds of encounters um, that... No, I had one, actually. I did. I had one. I'm not going to disclose what it was. But I feel like... Because... <laughs> <laughs> That sounds a bit dodged. Um, but to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like, I think I was... Uh, the, the type of people that I was possibly around were, you know, like I was the decent one. So I just spun a lie and they believed me and I walked away kind of thing. And um, I don't feel like in that position that I was in on that particular day, actual race come into it, if I'm going to be completely honest... But I will say that, you know, like being a mother of a black boy, I am absolutely petrified. Um, I heard my son having a conversation the other day with his friend. His friend was saying, oh, I got stopped by police. Um, his friend is, I think his mix is kind of like, he's, he's half white, half, I don't know if he's black or maybe more, he's, uh, he's 
yeah, maybe black or I don't know what his mix is, but he is mixed. And he was saying he, he was, they was talking and I was having this conversation and I was in the room putting away his clothes. And so, and so I kind of turned to him and said, oh, have you ever been stopped by police? And he said, yeah, I have a few times. And I was quite shocked that he, yeah. And I was quite yeah. shocked that he hadn't, you know, come home and said anything or, you know, like it was just, you know, yeah. we've always taught him to just, you know, be respectful and um, take, your take your search, you know, because he's a lot bigger than what he looks but but to, for him to say that he'd been stopped on the way to school in his uniform it's heartbreaking because you think what the hell do they think you're doing but going to school do you know so I, I it's it's for me as a mum of a black child I it's I'm I am petrified of that situation of anything being done or you know like and you don't know what's happening with your child like so yeah it is it is scary but for me personally I haven't had any encounters where I felt like I was it was an unjust situation she grew up in Putney by the way <laughs> <laughs> well I I growing up I didn't not nothing at all like my brother all the time but me and my sister no but the other day during Corona, me and the girls was coming home. Yeah, and I was Maya in the car. Oh, me and Alika no. was coming home. Um, we drove down up my road, and but I had to turn right. So we we was driving onto our road. Oh, how can I explain this? But there, there was police coming up coming up my road. They two two cars. They spun round and followed me I had to like I, I had to turn to get on my drive so as I'm turning they've kind of stopped me yeah trapped, trapped me us. I will say one come beside me one come behind me and said um are you lost the cars are yeah exactly exactly Andrew are you lost I said no <laughs> I'm, t- I'm turning around to get on my drive oh you live on this road yeah why is there a problem um Oh, no, because there's a lot of car theft around here. Do I look like a car thief? Especially for this car. Yeah, this make, what car was it? This make of car. A Mercedes GLC. GLC. That's why a lot of black boys get stopped as well. I'm a big... I couldn't believe it, though. Like, And I think as well, though, because it was corona and it was like a bad hair day, I had a cap on. <laughs> 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 and a jacket with fur on my hood. I thought I, they must have thought I was young. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, and then. well, yeah, there was none rolling, so it was just me. <laughs> trapping, you was trapping, you was out here trapping, man. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. No, but you know what it is? It's lazy. I actually believed them. It's lazy police officering, right? Because a lot of crime is solved um, via car crime, so it's a quick win for them just to stop a nice car. Um, especially if it's not registered um, locally, especially if they see somebody who they don't believe should be driving mm. a German whip. Um, so, yeah, like you say, you had the fur out. They didn't know if it was the Kungle fur of, um, what is it now? Montclair or <laughs> North Face or whatever. So, yeah, they thought you were trapping. They wouldn't do if you were yeah, white. I yeah, I would yeah, never yeah, have got exactly. stopped if I was white. Never. A cap, fur. But I didn't think it was a race thing at the time. It wasn't until I watched that show, I think it was called The Talk, and it was um, the guy from Diversity, 
And they were saying, oh, yeah, they went like the stop and search. And he said he got one just last week. And they were saying, oh, this is a nice car. There's been a lot of car, fee- like car thefts in the area. That's like the only time it clicked that, wow, maybe it was an actual like racial stop. I, actually, I, thought they were, I thought they were caring for us. <laughs> they were looking out. They, they do that on averages. Like, I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, the older I've got, the less I've been stopped, even though the younger they think I am. Like, I don't know if it's because of my driving or... Uh, they think, oh, he couldn't have stolen that car and be so brazen to... Like, I've driven with hat on, hood on, everything, glasses. You can't see who I am. Do you know what I mean? And they seem to not stop me um, now more than when I was younger. But I tell you what they do do a lot of is... I'll Because I'll pull up outside my house and I'll be talking to, you know, one of you guys or one of my friends. And, you know, like, it's coming through the loudspeaker of the car. So I don't want to get out because it's like... I have to now either hold the phone to my ear and I find that really uncomfortable. So I'll finish my um, conversation in the car. And they tend to pull up, like, see me sitting in the car, whether the side lights are on, and be like, oh, um, hi, hello. And I'm like, wind down the window. Is that your car? And I'm like, well, why am I going to do your job for you? I said, the registration's there. I'm on the phone conversation. You know, like, do your job. I'm not going to do it for you. So I wind the window back up. So then, it's normally the lady will be still talking to me, so I'll wind the window back down and she'll be like, oh, what's your problem? My problem is, I'm having a phone conversation, you've stopped me for what reason, oh no, you're approached me for what reason? Oh, because it's late at night and you're sitting in the parked car. Outside your house. Outside my house. Exactly. So if you do your job, you would be able to tell me who I am, where the car's registered to, and then you would look and know where you are and say to yourself, okay, see you later. But no, you want to question me. But, like, I don't take no search. You know, like, they're not, they're not wilding me up. So I'm not taking no search or no interrogation. Do your job and then get back to me. So, but that's what I find more that, you know, as I said, as I've got older, the, the whole driving thing, when I was younger, we have stopped every minute. Now, I, yeah, you know, the bigger the cars get, and I'm talking, I've driven some big, big cars. And... The bigger the car, it seems like the less they want to they wanna stop me, to be fair. Well, when I drove my Golf, I didn't get stopped at all. At all. Like, not once. Yeah. I was driving Jay's car one day, and I drove into the petrol station, and I saw the police in the petrol station, and I saw them look at me, and I thought, ah, no, nah, like, I've never been stopped, you know what I mean? No one's ever, like, I've never had a problem. Or go into the petrol station, I think I was with my mum, and the policeman comes into the petrol station, full of people, and says, Mrs Brown. And I turned around like, who the frig is calling out my name like that? He said, your MOT's due soon. That's what the man said to me. That's what the police... No, I'm not joking. The policeman said to me, your MOT's... Mrs Brown, your MOT's due soon. That's what he said. In the petrol station. At least he's done his homework. (laughs) I just... Yeah. That's bang I've ordered on. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know. Everybody yeah. knows, knows your name. Mm, like, why exactly. does he need to play your business? Like, yeah, now, that's what they do. That's what they do. I mean, yeah, as Jay said, driving, again, German whips, cap on, you're going to get searched. You're going to get stopped. Sorry. But I wrap them up. Because the conversation was so engaging, we ran way over. So we're going to end here. But fear not, you can listen to the second half of the discussion in next week's episode of Generation Brown. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Generation Brown. Subscribe, share, rate and review.